Welcome to the Multitracks.com Worship Sound Design Podcast, where we dig into the intersection of all things music, production, and sound design, but also a passion for God, for the local church, and for the worldwide church. I'm your host, Mike Graff. I'm excited to dig in together with you. Let's get going. Again, welcome to the podcast, everyone. My name is Mike Graff of Core Sound, one of the producers here at Multitracks.com. It is incredible to be here together with you. I am wowed to have had the chance to sit down with Peter James, a phenomenal musician, producer, sound designer, all of the above. Peter's done a variety of things throughout his storied career, but you probably know him best for his influential work on dozens of albums, including Hillsong Worship, Hillsong United, and all sorts of other productions and recordings within Hillsong Church. This is one that you are not going to want to miss. Without any further ado, here is my conversation with Peter James. I am thrilled and honored to be sitting here with someone who I have admired from afar, but now it's no longer from afar. We, we get to be face to face together. Peter James, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's an honor. Yeah, I can't wait to jump into this and do it. <laughs> Absolutely. There's so much to jump into. I think of all the stuff that you've done sound design wise, not just within all the albums that you've been involved with and all the Hillsong projects, but certainly with your massive catalog of patches, pads, and all the work that you've done for multi-tracks. I'm, I'm just kind of in awe. You do not run out of ideas. It seems <laughs> endless. What you have put into the worship world and what you've offered all sorts of people around you and all sorts of people under you and alongside you to use and to really level up their game when it comes to creativity, when it comes to the worship service itself. Thank you for every single bit of what you've put into that. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, one of my personality traits is actually an explorer. Mm. So that kind of goes hand in hand with the whole sound designing thing. Yeah. I feel like I'm finding a sound or rather than creating it, it's almost like I'm exploring and mm. trying things and then I find sounds. And that's my passion. It's always been my passion. Another personality trait is I'm very futuristic, kind of pioneering. Um, you know how we do all those online personality tests and everything. Yeah. It's cool kind of seeing those and how they work in with, yeah, my sound designing and what I've chosen to do kind of for a career. So, yeah. I love it. Anyway, just random bit of information there. I love <laughs> so. it. That's amazing. Well, Pete, a lot of people may know you from multiple projects that you've been involved with uh, over the years and, and decades, but why don't we go back even further than that? I would love to hear from you. When did music or sound design or you know anything within that world, when did that hit your horizon and it was something that unlocked in your brain where all of a sudden you were noticing music as something that maybe wasn't just a passion, maybe wasn't just something that you enjoyed, but like, wow, this is, I think this is a calling. I think this, I think this is a life pursuit here. Are there any moments along the journey that jump out at you? Yeah, there's a few. Um, I know my parents started getting me into piano lessons and everything at the age of five. So I started yeah. really, really young. I could even go back further. It's kind of a cool little story. Mum told me the story quite a few years ago. It kind of stuck with me. It's interesting because she had two kids. I'm the eldest of two boys. And she said when I was in her belly, <laughs> kind of a random story. Um, We're going way we back. Created, we are going way We're going back. right back to <laughs> negative zero, actually. But yeah, she said whenever she'll go 
to church, obviously late in the pregnancy, I would kick and move so much when the worship was on that she would have to leave the service. Like it would happen all the time. And it's kind of funny because even back then I was into music um, and she thought, oh, all kids do this. It was a firstborn. She didn't know, you know, yeah. how babies reacted. Yeah. And then she had my brother uh, who slept through the whole thing. Crazy. So it's kind of random that even from negative zero of age yeah. there was something inside me that yeah. reacted to music yeah so i love that kind of story that kind of it's you know partners up with the whole god thing and going he created me in my mother's womb yeah, absolutely he knew what what my passions were going to be mm. he knew everything before i even was born and mm. it kind of showed even way back then but music's always been something that excited me whether it be church music or secular music or just music in general i'm a big believer that music isn't christian or non-christian yeah. yeah. everything good and perfect was created by god and so from an early age i knew it excited me and yeah i just started at age five and my parents couldn't stop me just kept going yeah. all the way through till i moved i was born in new zealand moved to Australia to do Hillsong College, got involved with the team. I still remember the very first, and it wasn't the very first um, Hillsong album, but the Zion album, mm. Joel giving us a bunch of songs to listen to. So for the Zion album, you can probably hear the influences in it. Sure. We we're listening to Passion Pit oh, and Radiohead yeah. and M83. And that's one of the biggest projects that I jumped into sound designing because I was like, okay, what are all these kind of analog keyboard sounds on this M83 album and yep. what made that music, that genre and um, everything? And so that's when I delved into Omnisphere yep. back then and just started going through patches and trying to find similar ones that replicate. Radiohead and M83 and Passion Pit and all that kind of stuff. You're speaking my language, And that's man. when it kind of... Oh. <laughs> I love them. I was listening to them the other day, actually, M83, uh, Radiohead, just to kind of take me back in time. And I've forgotten how good those albums are yeah. and just how well they're produced and everything. But yeah, that was, I guess not the start, but like a big part of listening, yeah. replicating, yeah. creating. And then from that time on, I, I just got into it. Yeah. And I was one of the first guys to ever use a computer in church um <laughs> thank you pioneer as man. a keyboard player oh man thank you for doing yeah, it, it was before one of those... anybody thought that it was cool or accepted or way to blaze that trail yeah but no. it came with so many challenges <laughs> back then there wasn't the funny thing there wasn't even main stakes so i was like mm. researching first of all i was like what should i mac pc and so mm. i did some research um i found out that sting's keyboard player was using a mac mm -hmm. and he had two macs a redundant rig and everything. I'm like, okay, I'm going to follow in his there footsteps. Go. Got a Mac. Back then there wasn't solid state hard drives. It was all, you know, spinning oh, 7,200 yeah. RPM hard drives, which on tour, that was a nightmare because depending on where I was on stage, the subs would shake my computer <laughs> or yep, shake my yep. external hard drive and it would skip and all that kind of stuff. So I started using Logic actually in church with I think my first ever plugin was Ivory Pianos. Do you remember? Oh, man. Some of you, you guys probably remember that piano. This is a lot of yeah. years, probably 20 yeah. years. So that was that. And I partnered it up with my keyboard. So I had a backup if my computer dropped out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of how it all, all started oh. way, way, way back. I <laughs> so, love yeah. 
every bit of that. Thank you for being faithful to that. Thank you for pressing into something that not only was there no precedent to it, but also, I mean, you just, you think about, you know, 15, 20 years ago, YouTube was barely a thing. Google was barely, you know, a verb in the culture as far as like, oh, hey, let me just go Google the answer. And, totally. and so for you to run after this without any precedent and without really any singular spot to go for help or to have a tutorial or, you know, all the different amazing resources and tools that we have today to learn these things, not to mention the fact that computers have come so far so fast. Just yeah, thank you amazingly. for, I mean, honestly, thank you for sludging through the mud uh, to <laughs> somehow in the midst of all that still find value to still be inspired and also to provide something really great for what you were doing on the keys at Hillsong. And that's just incredible, man. I love it. It was a fun little journey. Yeah. <laughs> I've got 101 stories of things that failed and things like I still remember on tour doing the aftermath tour with United yeah. with, like I said, the subs shaking and I had the 7,200 RPM <laughs> external hard drive that I connected through the eSATA port. Oh my goodness. Back then yep. That, yep. that was the fastest connection. Yep. And I had to get a piece of foam and put the hard drive on top of that because the subs <laughs> were so loud and shaking anyway. That's oh. <laughs> just one of the things I had to deal with back then, but it was fun. It was a fun little journey. And I honestly, like even thank you for sharing that. I know that there's someone out there where they think, like, I just want to get to that certain level where stuff doesn't break anymore and where things don't go wrong. It's like, man, it is. You'll never get there. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that doesn't mean we stop though. That doesn't mean we stop. So let's zero in on that just a little bit more. So you went to Hillsong College. Mm -hmm. What an experience that must have been. Within Hillsong College, were you majoring in like a music and a worship production lane? Or was that something that just kind yeah. of came out of the woodwork as you were there? What did that look like? So I did um, the worship and creative arts stream, mm -hmm. which had obviously biblical studies as well as the music side yeah. of things, which covered everything from songwriting to worship leading and all that kind of stuff. So I did two years of that. I actually started off in the choir when I first wow. turned up to Hillsong College and sung on a couple of albums being in the choir and doing overdubs in the studio. Love it. It's awesome. Back then, yeah. And then I started playing in youth as a keyboard player and like second keys mm -hmm. and the kind of older guys were kind of helping to mentor me and tell me what I was doing right and most often what I was doing wrong. <laughs> it, was, it was a cool journey. Yeah. But then, yeah, just staying faithful and serving where I could and helping to build the local church. That's how everything happened. Mm. I just started getting involved. I remember being involved with United, getting to do an album, and then they were like, hey, do you want to come on a tour with us? We're going to New Zealand to do um, Parachute Festival, if any of you yes. know Parachute yes. Festival from New Zealand. And that was, like, mind-blowing. And then, yeah, just kept going and kept being involved and got to do what I've got to do all over the years. Wow. So. Yeah. So as you rapped at Hillsong College, what did that look like coming out? Like, did you just say, you know what, I, I think I'm here to stay? Or was there a stint where you went back to New Zealand? And then like, how did the stuff evolve with your more steady involvement with all the stuff that you're doing? Yeah, it was kind of interesting because um, in my head, I had a plan. I was like, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Hillsong College, then I'm going to become a music pastor in a local church, yeah. and I'm going to do that. Yeah. And I had my plans all sorted out. Funny how God never follows our plans. Um, yeah. yeah, so I got to the end of my college and actually a big church in New Zealand offered me a full-time position as a music pastor. Oh, wow. yeah. 
um, which you would think was like perfect. And I went over, my dad's a pastor in New Zealand, so he kind of helped uh, hook it all up. And I went in, did like an interview thing. But at the end of it, I didn't feel a piece about it. I was mm. like, Does this, this doesn't feel right. And so I ended up, because I didn't feel a piece about it, ended up giving up that full-time position to go back to Australia to work in a gas station or petrol station, depending on where you are, and just volunteer at church, which... Wow. Seems like the wrong thing to do. Sure. Like I've got the security of a full time job in a church in New Zealand. That's where I was born. Love New Zealand. Love my home country. But mm. yeah, I just did that because I felt like that's what God wanted me to do. And in hindsight, my life could have been a whole lot different if I did what I thought was the right thing rather than following the peace that I mm. felt God gave me to go back to Australia. So yeah, oh my and then I just stayed involved at Hillsong and yeah, just door after door, just kept on opening, just. As I was faithful, just yeah. God goes, okay, I'll give you a little bit more, give you a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm, what, 42. And yeah, it's been crazy. Played on, I think, 45 Hillsong United and Hillsong Worship albums wow. over the years, toured yep. absolutely everywhere. Mm. We got to go to obviously America multiple times, Canada, Asia, mm. Israel. Got to go to Israel and um, worship there with Ruben Morgan and the team. Oh my yeah, it's almost a blur. There's too many places to remember exactly where I've been, but oh. yeah, it's it's been a really, really, really cool journey so far. Yeah, well, and to press into that for a second, there are so many people where I think, you know, we're following God, some of the gifts and talents, we're starting to perhaps earlier in life, starting to get an inkling of what that might look like. And like you said, you know, the plan mm -hmm. that made sense to you was, well, man, full-time music pastor, like that is absolutely like where mm -hmm. I'm headed. There's, you know, that that's part of how I feel gifted and called. That's certainly, you know, stability for you know myself yeah. and, and just what that looks like. And yet God had something very different for you. And I think, you know, what some people might accidentally take away, and I know I'm, I'm usually the dreamer like this, where it's like, all I need to do is say mm -hmm. yes to a job at a gas station. And the next thing I know, Hillsong's going to come knocking at my door. Like, I, I know that that's not the, <laughs> I know that's not the answer to this, but truthfully, mm -hmm. let's take out of the equation, everything that you have been given and genuinely gifted the opportunity to do. Let's say that it was just the gas station and volunteering at Hillsong. Mm -hmm. I mean, if that's where your story ended, for you to continue to have been faithful to how God was leading in the midst of that, I think is is something that I need to hear. I think it's something that a lot of us need to hear because very quickly we can take what God's given us as a gifting and then run with it. Like, like, hey, I just got the keys to the new car yeah. for my parents and oh, and off I go. And it's like, totally. hey, wait, we should probably <laughs> talk about some ground rules here. It's like, let me not run away with what God's given me. It's still very much his. Uh, clearly, it's very much his. Yeah. And so I just want to say thank you for being faithful to that. And again, what a beautiful chapter that, that comes after that. But just thank you for... Mm -hmm modeling that well to all of us. That's a big deal. So Pete, last time I checked, you have, this is kind of silly talk, but I know that on the Multitracks website, when you look at the list of producers, it is an honor to be yeah. producers alongside you. And it's such a joy. There's a funny little metric below the name of the producers where it mentions how many patches <laughs> yeah, are <no>. attributed <laughs> to each producer. And there, you know, several sounds available mm -hmm. kind of across the board. And man, 
Pete, you under the name Peter James, I don't even know the current number, but I know that, I mean, it's certainly four figures, four <laughs> figures, folks. That is in the thousands. Mm-hmm. And that is, if not anything else, I mean, you are prolific at what you do. There is just a, a bevy of stuff coming from you. Um, but tell me a little bit more about, uh, you mentioned it earlier, how you really are an explorer, how you, you know, you're a forward thinker, like you're the futurist, how you're just, you know, running after yeah. these things that maybe haven't been unearthed by us or haven't been heard by people yet. What does that look like for you? Like, what, what does that process look like for you? Do you spend time just like searching for stuff? Because I know in my own rhythm and routine, I try to dedicate some time to literally just like listening to stuff and turning knobs and, and playing with gear, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's in the box or sitting in front of me and just running after stuff. What does your rhythm for exploring look like? And how much, not only what does it look like, but how much time do you give that? How big of a piece of your pie is that process? Because it seems yeah. to me from your output that, uh, that you're probably exploring a whole lot. Oh, uh, yeah, totally. Just one step back to before sure, I answer that yeah. question. The reason I got into releasing all my sounds was basically because I wanted to make available all the sounds that I'd used on all the Hillsong albums. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how I started it with, I think I started with just all my Omnisphere patches that I'd used on United albums and Hillsong worship albums. And then I was like, oh, people actually want these. Oh, yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah. So back yeah. then I was like, oh, wait, if people want these, why don't I just, you know, keep doing it? But that was obviously has always been my heart is just to give people access to the exact sounds that I'm using mm. on the weekend or I've used on an album yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, it's just give people access to what I'm using. Right. Um, but to answer your question too, I'm an explorer. Like I said, I just get so enveloped in creating sounds. And one thing that I consciously do, or even subconsciously, is I let my emotions dictate where I go with my sound design. Yeah. Because you can have a sound that's like interesting and technically it's got this and that and everything. But if it if the sound doesn't move me emotionally, mm. I feel like it's falls to the ground. It's not. So with anything I ever did, creating parts, creating sounds for church albums, I always let my heart and my emotions be involved because we all know that music's an emotional yeah. language. Yeah. Without the emotional connection to it, it's kind of just notes on a page mm. and lifeless. Mm. So... I consciously just try to sit there and then I know that I've found, because Explorer, I know that I've found a great sound when I just can't stop playing it. Like I just keep playing it, keep playing it, get really into it. I'm like, okay, that's that's what I yeah. need. And so it's a lot of exploring. It's a lot of trying things. I'll try random stuff that maybe other people haven't thought about, just exploring all the different avenues mm-hmm. until I find that's how I like to view it anyway. Yeah. It's like I've found something that's amazing rather than going, oh, if I do A plus B plus C, then I'll get this great sound. Obviously, I know a bit about how sound designing yeah. works and, you know, the kind of maths and everything behind it, but that's not my driving force. It's always doesn't move me emotionally. Mm. Does it complement the song that I'm using it on? A quick example, for um, example, Oceans, the pad sound that I use for Oceans, I wanted it to obviously accentuate what the song is saying. And so obviously the song is Oceans. So the pad has got a very slow attack. It's got a lot of movement in it. It's got a chorus in it. It's actually a Prophet 5 mm. sample running through a Roland Dimension D. It's a sample from Omnisphere. But if you listen to that pad sound, 
It gives you that ocean sound, like slow mm. movement, panning, everything. Um, and so my sound designing, I try to make the emotion that I get from that sound match up with the song that I'm partnering it with too. Yeah. So now he's having a great sound that doesn't give the same... Does that kind of make sense? Give you the same... Yeah, absolutely. 100%. ...feel or whatever you're trying to create with that. It's, a, it's yeah, what I do. So in that lane, is there something that you are geeking out about right now? Is there some piece of gear or some plugin? Maybe it's, you know, new songs or something like that. But what currently is just getting you excited in the world of sound design and studio space and all that? Yeah, kind of a cool story that goes along with this. Yeah. So I just got a Juno 60. Ooh, which if any of you keyboard geeks will know that that's kind of a, a really sought after piece of gear. It's so old that the Juno 60 doesn't even have MIDI. Right. That's how old it is. <laughs> um, the Juno 106, they introduced MIDI, yeah. but the Juno 60 doesn't have MIDI. So I had to buy an external kind of interface thing so that it will accept MIDI. But a cool little story. It was only probably six months ago where coming out of COVID, finances were a little bit tough. Mm. Ended up um, selling my... My OB6, which is, wow. I love my OB6 yeah. keyboard. I was talking to my wife and like, yeah, it's probably a smart thing to do just to free up some money, cash flow, etc. Yeah. So anyway, I did that and a friend of mine has a Juno 60. And so I was like, hey, would you mind if I borrowed it, took it to church, just used it, you know, tried it on church. I've always wanted to, you know, try one of these. And so he lent me the keyboard. I played it in church, loved it. Front of house came up to me after the um, service, like, dude, that sounds amazing. And I was just like, I can't make this thing sound bad. <laughs> Analog, you know, the chorus on oh, it's just insane. Yeah. Um, Juno chorus, anyone who's heard that. So I used it. Then the next day, he texts me and he says, I was in worship last night and I really felt like God say, I need to give you this keyboard. Whoa. <laughs> I know. And this is like anyone who knows how much they were. They're mm. worth about $6,000 mm. upwards if you can find them secondhand. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like a cheap little piece of right. gear that he's giving right. me. Anyway, he told me and I kind of, and I over text and I kind of broke down because he had no idea the backstory mm. of the Juno 60 for me. And he had no idea that three days before I'd literally just sold my OB6 to free up money. <sighs> wow. The crazy thing is too, the Juno 60 was the first ever analog keyboard I ever played. Yeah. And I used it in a studio on Hillsong United's very first studio album. So Unbelievable. the first analog keyboard I ever played on Hillsong United's very first studio album, that was the first time I ever played it. Hadn't played one ever since. And then God goes, yeah, this cool little story of I had to sell my OB6. I got given a Juno 60 wow. worth twice as much as the keyboard right, that I'd sold. Right. And kind of tied the whole thing together going from start to finish. First analog keyboard ever. Yeah. Got to play first studio album from Hillsong. Then I got given this thing. Oh. So anyway, that's what I'm geeking out on at the moment. I love this thing. Um, just got it serviced a few weeks yeah. ago and I'm sampling it. I'm creating patches and I'm just geeking oh, out on it. It's I, insane. I can't I wait. I'm it. ready to cannonball into the pool of <laughs> all that. That's undoubtedly coming down the pipeline. That's so great. I love it. Yeah. Long live the 60.
So can you walk us through what an average day or what an average week kind of looks like when it comes to how you divide out your time that you're working on new sounds or you're, you're you know working in the studio versus you know doing all the things that uh, that you're doing for different recordings or for different live services? Mm-hmm. What does that breakdown look like for you? Is there any sort of rhyme or reason to it or is every week a brand new week or what? <laughs> like, are you the kind who thrives on things changing or are you the kind who craves man, I just, I want a normal day or something like that. What does that all look like for you? Yeah, no, I actually love doing a lot of different things yeah. creatively. Like, I don't know, it's just how my brain's wired. I've got ADHD too, sure. like a lot of musicians do. I'm pretty sure most <laughs> creative people have that ADHD sure. thing somewhere along the spectrum. Yeah. So it can actually work for me um, as well as against me. <laughs> it, with my creativity, I can hyper-focus, I can really dig in deep, create stuff, spend a lot of time time just fine-tuning stuff which I love doing but then at the same time the ADHD thing makes my brain go left right watch it you know (laughs) and very hard to structure and get things done sometimes I could spend too much time on something that's really minuscule that I shouldn't but what I do usually so me and my wife are both self-employed my wife is a singer-songwriter so a lot of the times I'm recording her vocals editing them tuning or doing the whole shebang with her vocal so I love that I you know move away from sound design do a little bit of that um, we also produce songs together as well so I do a little bit of more kind of pop stuff with her and then there's the church stuff but I find one thing that really helps me is if I have a physical list in front of mm-hmm. me I can't really do it on my phone for some reason sure with the whole ADHD trying to make it all work if I have a list of things um, on a piece of paper and I cross them off that's how I work the yeah. best so I just yeah. go okay this is what I need to get done from most important to least important and every day I go, okay, I'm going to try to finish X amount of things on my list. And then I just basically just go through it and do it until I finish. Um, We break up the middle of the day by going to the gym just to give Mm. my brain a bit of space. Mm -hmm. My wife and I go to the gym together. Yeah, that's kind of how I work. And I don't know if that works for everyone, but for my brain, just having a list of things to do, goals. Yeah, that that kind of works for me. Um, Well, that's a big deal. I mean, you've found the rhythm, like you said, that does work for you. And yeah, you know, for us to not Mm -hmm. ascribe to somebody else's equation all the time. I mean, and certainly there's plenty to learn from other people's rhythms and routines, but if you found totally. what, I mean, and clearly it's working, I mean, you, you, you're able to stay active in so many different and unique lanes and to be prolific in those lanes is a big deal. And that's, uh, yeah. that's awesome, man. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think the older I get, the more I realize, the more I know myself and how I work makes it so much easier to make these plans mm. and tasks and everything like some people might look at ADHD as a negative but Mm. knowing that I have it is just going okay this is how my brain works and so because I know that I can take these steps and I can actually hyper focus so it's really good for some things and again with all the um, personality traits doing you know those online things finding out what my top strengths are Um, another thing too one of my top strengths is a maximizer and I found that like my wife's a great songwriter and she's really actually great at producing Mm. so she has sonically kind of the overall picture but knowing that my strength is a maximizer i'm like okay i'm okay with not being okay with the big picture 
But what I am good at is coming in and fixing little things and maximizing and getting a magnifying glass and going in and going, okay, I can make this better. And here I can make this better and I can do this and that and the other thing. And so it's actually a really good partnership, me and my wife, because she sees the big picture, knows the overall picture. I'm able to fine tune and make those little changes here to a melody or to a sound or to anything like that. And that's, I think, why I'm really good with the whole sound Mm -hmm. designing thing, Mm -hmm. because it's a lot of fine tuning and a lot of magnifying glass type of stuff and just going in deep and making those sounds as good as I can Mm -hmm. rather than going, oh, I'm the producer of the full picture. And my brain goes, "Uh uh-oh, where do I start? So (laughs) I can can do that. But I think my strength is coming in and making something that's good, great. So, yeah. Oh, that's a good word, man. I love hearing that. And thank God for our wives, for our significant others, uh, (laughs) for the balance in, in a relationship to just make us better. That's awesome. So let's build you a time machine and pretend that Mm -hmm. you were able to go back and impart some wisdom. What would you say to the Peter James of 20 years ago, of 15 years ago, knowing what you know now Mm. and all the experiences that you've had? What would be something that you go back and remind yourself of or maybe give yourself a, a heads up on? Yeah, I'd probably say something like, enjoy the ride. Mm. (laughs) Don't be too stressed. (laughs) Um, I don't know if this is a creative thing, but you kind of make things that aren't a big deal a big deal and you stress out about the little things and just going, hey, just relax Mm. and do life and Mm. love Jesus, but don't be too religious. Mm. Yeah, and just enjoy life, enjoy God, enjoy people. Yeah, take the pressure off because I think that's when we thrive the most is when we're at peace when we're enjoying life, when we're, yeah, we're not stressed about all the little details. Trust God, obviously. But I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned. Yeah, learn to relax. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I need to hear a little bit of that in my life. So thanks for that. (laughs) Probably I do too. (laughs) Uh, Again. That's awesome. I know that there are a lot of people who look up to you, myself included. And is there any piece of advice or any bit of encouragement that you have for the worship leaders out there, for the worship musicians, for people who are coming up into this space? What's something that you would say to them if you had the chance? Yeah, I would probably say take note of what you are really passionate about Mm. because I know a lot of people, including myself growing up, is like, what's God's will? What's God's will? It can become this thing that's really hard to try and find. You're trying to walk a tight rope of, well, what does God want? It's kind of like this perfect will that I have to walk in. And looking back, I'm like, no, God designed you. God designed me. He knows exactly what, like he doesn't create you and then go, oh, you've got all these passions, but now I'm going to make you do something which is completely Mm. opposite to Mm. what I've created you to do. And I think we complicate it too much sometimes and just go, oh, following God's meant to be the struggle is meant to be really hard because it's serving and it's sacrifice and everything. Mm. I'm like, I don't actually think that's biblical. I think the sacrifice God wants for us is to um, say no to our flesh and say no to our carnal desires, but you should feel God's presence when you're doing what he wants you to do. You should actually feel empowered and motivated. And like it even says in the Bible that Jesus is life, Mm. like physical life should fill you when you're doing God's will. 
and it shouldn't be the opposite to what your yeah, passions yeah. are. And it's funny how music, sound designing, yeah, I feel God's pleasure when I'm yeah. doing what I'm yeah. created to do. And it's just such a simple thing. It reminds me of, do you know the story of Chariots of Fire? I can't even remember the guy's uh, name. Van Gellis, the composer? or the Oh, the action, no, the, no, the, the runner. Actual, Man, actual if runner. that didn't show yeah. everyone what a <laughs> studio nerd I am. No, that then clearly <laughs> I do not know. A beautiful story, I, I know, but I, I don't remember the name of the actual individual. So, yeah. Yeah, neither can I. I mean, it's probably been 30 years since I've watched Chariots of Fire, but there's this little scene in it which kind of goes along. It's kind of a cool analogy to what I was just talking about. But in the story of his life, his sister comes up to him and says, hey, you should be on the mission field with me. We need to be doing, you know, what God wants and be sharing the gospel and everything. And he turns to his sister and says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And so... It's funny because if you look at his whole life, he probably impacted more people for God just from his running than he would have if he'd gone off and done the whole missionary thing. I look at that story all the time and go, he feels God's pleasure when he's running, which doesn't seem very spiritual, but that's what God put in him. He obviously honored God with it. Um, If you know the full story, the whole Chariots of Fire story. And so I apply that to me. I'm like, well, is music spiritual? Hmm. Is making sound spiritual? If it's what God's called you to do, 100%. We shouldn't box God into this is Christian, this is not. He's bigger than that. And so, yeah, if you feel God's pleasure when you're doing something, that's a very big indicator that that's kind of what God's put in you yeah. and what he wants you to do. That's so, a great word. Yeah. I, I'm receiving that encouragement for sure, as I know a lot of listeners are. So thank you for speaking into that. Pete, man, truly thank you for setting aside the time. Thank you for being, you know, not just a leader in this space, but a real trailblazer. Like we talked about very early on, this is not Ooh, a short run pursuit for you. It's been something that you have continued to refine year mm-hmm. after year. And man, there is just no sign of that passion and that spark and that ingenuity slowing down. So thank you for just doing that so well and for sharing some of that gift with us today, man. Really appreciate you. No worries. Loved it. Thank you all for listening to the Worship Sound Design Podcast. The music sound beds throughout the episode were provided by Core Sound. You can find these sound beds along with a bunch of other incredible ambient pads, keyboard patches, drum samples, and other resources from an amazing group of producers at multitracks.com. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you can catch every conversation we have with all these incredible people who share the same passion. I'm looking forward to the next time. I hope you are too. Can't wait to see you then and until then blessings to you let's go make a difference